9990 Broadcast Center. It's time to wake up Memphis. Good morning, Memphis, and welcome to the morning show. It is January 25th, and excited to have you guys on our team as we jump into a very busy morning of news. Dropping by the show today, we will have our Senator Bill Haggerty at 7.35 this morning. Very excited to talk to him about what's happening at the southern border, which is really right now one of the biggest constitutional crises since the Civil War. We'll jump into that in one moment. Bill Haggerty will help us with the story, though. At 8.35, Amy Wyrick, the former district attorney, is going to be calling into the show. Why? Well, we cannot prosecute anybody, apparently. So we're coming from the DA's office, or at least there are over 300 homicide crimes and cases that are pending in the docket right now. And somehow, just somehow, we hired all of these prosecutors and they can't do the, the freaking job. So why? That's the question. She's going to help us answer it. And then we'll be talking to Justin Johnson in one moment because there's a lot of news coming out of Collierville. You think crime is bad in your neck of the woods? Well, it will always get worse when it goes unchecked. And it came to Collierville just a couple days ago, and it has that community absolutely shaken up. And we'll jump into that story. But I do want to go to our state and a state that derived its name from, from our volunteering service. The name volunteers actually reflects the Tennessee soldiers who came to assist Texans during Texas's 1836 war for independence. Alamo might remember the name. (laughs) Um, We stepped up when they needed help defending their border. We were some of the first. David Crockett, we sent our guys down there and we helped defend the state of Texas. Now, it is not the 1830s, it is the 2000s. It is 2023, or 24, excuse me, and right now, Texas is struggling to defend their border because we've got an administration that refuses to close that southern border. Now, mind you, the president's job is to uphold the Constitution. Any elected official is to uphold their oath of office. And the U.S. Constitution says right in it, go check it out. You probably got one when you graduated. I did. The states have the right to protect their sovereign borders. So you have a state like Texas. They have a massive crisis where every single day, I believe last check, 6 million people coming into our country over the last three years. A result of those 6 million people coming into this country, death and destruction. Not all of them. No, I'm not a racist. I just want a country. You can't have a country without laws. They're not upholding the laws of our land. So it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court. Actually, never in a million years would I expect to see the Supreme Court side with lawlessness. That's exactly what happened. And it all started when they were putting up razor wire at the southern border, right? What do you do when you have no federal assistance? You get your guys in the Lone Star State and you start building your own wall. And they said that that was brutal and inhumane to those immigrants coming through the southern border, that they could be caught up in the razor wire. Well, you know what's more in, actually in, inhumane is the fact that you are allowing and greenlighting the passage of immigrants, which many of those women and children are being trafficked. That is what is inhumane. Joe Biden, Democrat Party, even the Republicans. 
Mitch McConnell. So Texas defies the mandate from the federal government. They defy it and they should. They're standing strong with their citizens. And they said, we're going to keep on building that razor wire wall. What has happened since is pretty remarkable. And I have the statement released by Texas Governor Greg Abbott after the they were told that they could not defend their own state. And he said this, quote, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton and other visionaries who wrote the U.S. Constitution foresaw that the state should not be left to the mercy of lawless and a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across that southern border. He also goes on to say that they will continue to do what's right for the Texas people. Since then, we've seen states across the union, Republican states, join Texas's last stand. No, this is not the 1830s. This is their modern-day Alamo. Word comes out yesterday, Florida steps up. Ron DeSantis, you know, I'm not a fan, but he's a good governor, and that's exactly what he did. He said, we are going to stand with you, Texas. Then followed by Virginia's governor, Glenn Youngkin, Oklahoma governor, Kevin Stitt, South Dakota governor, Kristi Noem, Georgia governor, Brian Kemp, Montana governor, Greg Gilforte. Where is Governor Billy? A state whose history has built literally on defending our friends in Texas, volunteering our service and our men. We have sent some National Guards men and women down there before, but we need to send them right now. Not tomorrow, but right now. And he has about 24 hours to do that because pressure on Governor Bill Lee is mounting. You need to call that governor who's chilling in his office right now. 615-741-2001. 615-741-2001. Where are you, Governor Bill Lee? We didn't get our nickname, the Volunteer State, for nothing. We did it because we helped our friends in the Lone Star State. I get it's not the 1830s, but it is a crisis and truly could be the brink of a civil war. Todd Starnes, my boss, wrote this. What's happening in Texas is not an issue of a Republican governor disagreeing with the Democrat president. It's a matter of a president who refuses to honor his oath of office and the U.S. Constitution. Todd goes on to accurately and appropriately cite the Constitution where states have the right to protect their sovereign borders. He goes on and ends with this. If the government refuses to uphold Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution, the states should have the right to peacefully separate from the Union. It's a dangerous time in our country. And screw you, Joe Biden, for doing that to Texas. And that's all I'll say on that. Let's go back to the Mid-South. Justin Johnson joining us from Collierville this morning. And I wanted to jump into a story that has a lot of people very, very worried You have a woman who is just out and about shopping. She gets home to her house. This happened Tuesday night just before 11 p.m. Collierville police said the incident happened near Peterson Lake and Nolly Drive. That woman stated that a couple thugs wearing ski masks 
and were in a white Jeep Cherokee. Following her to her home, she gets to her house. They jump out of the vehicle. This is a very common thing here. This is not the exception. This is now the rule in a lawless land like Memphis, Tennessee. According to a police report, they demanded her car, but she refused. Good on her. Unfortunately, this happened. Take a listen. Gunshots. If we don't have that, that's all right. Um, we'll get that audio to you one second. It's terrifying audio where these thugs open fire on this poor woman. And yes, she wasn't her. Thank God. Justin Johnson joining the show now. Justin, I know a lot of people out in the burbs, the safe part of town, really rattled up by this headline coming out from Collierville Police. Yeah, Ben, uh, it's a really unfortunate situation um, that, you know, the safe suburb of Collierville that we're having to deal now with this problem. And actually, just to update on the story, uh, just because I know, because um, I've been following Collierville Community Watch, their Facebook group, it was actually her teenage daughter. So imagine that your teenage daughter is followed home and two thugs and ski mads jump out, try to take her keys. She brought them back. Um, she took off running and then they shot her car up. So, you know, this is completely unthinkable that, you know, we have to deal with this problem. But, you know, I'm wondering where are our local elected leaders uh, speaking out on this in Kyerville? I mean, we should be hearing from our com- uh, Shelby County Commissioner our aldermen and our mayor um, basically bulldogging Mayor Paul Young and saying, get your city under control. Mm-hmm. Like, this is affecting everything in the whole Mid-South region. It's because you don't have a police chief that will enable the police officers to do their job or a district attorney that will keep criminals accountable. It's a really great question. And and this is an everyday headline in Memphis proper, Justin, but not in Collierville because a lot of people in Memphis are exiting this city of Memphis and they're going to places like Collierville. But we should know that we should not be so fortunate or be too arrogant that people in Collierville, Justin, will move to other counties if we don't fix ours. Go ahead. Yeah, and so the problem is, is that Memphis is so big um, they don't won't necessarily just move to Tipton or Fayette County because we see that crime follows you anywhere in this Mid-South region. It goes to DeSoto County, it goes to Critican County, and it goes to Tipton County. People will totally leave this area and move out of the state away if they don't get a control on this uh, crime in Memphis. Uh, it's going to force everybody out. I mean, you, you can't you can't blame them. I mean, even myself, I love Collierville. I'm a lifelong resident of Shelby County. Like, I want to stay here and raise a family. But reasonably, I can't ask uh, my significant other or even my son to put their life at risk just going home. Like, that's why David Bradford, all our aldermen, yeah. they need to start putting pressure on the sheriff's department because – We've seen the city of Memphis Police Department is not not going to shake down every high crime area. Where's the sheriff in all this? Yeah. They're responsible for the whole Shelby County um, enforcing. And I think we just give Sheriff uh, Floyd Bonner a pass. Uh, very sadly, the Republican Party, because this is who we endorse the Democrat, <laughs> to be the sheriff. And where is he at all in all this? Well, I, I've got to stop you right there because I know you're a strong conservative and we're not allowed to fire inside the tent. Um, but we do. 
Stand by, Justin. Let me play this audio. So WREG got their hands on surveillance footage that was captured right outside that home where they opened fire on this poor girl. My God, imagine this. Take a listen. Now, Collierville police, they were notified about those shots. They pursued the thugs. They followed the car to Poplar and west to Bihalio, where it fled to Highway 385. Unfortunately, the pursuit continued on 385, but the vehicle blacked out. The officers lost sight, and CBT or CPD, excuse me, says there were no tag plates found on that Cherokee. So the case is cold. What did we do? What do we do? Uh, I, I think we still we have to go back to our local. For me, yeah. I'm a citizen of Tyreville. Um, I can only do what I can do in my local community. That's why I think WRG, they're riding around my neighborhood. I stopped them and let them know how outraged we are, were about this. This is citizens. We need to start attending our local Tyreville Chamber, or not Chamber of Commerce, but our local city hall meetings. And then start asking our elected leaders to start putting pressure on Mayor Paul Young, our district attorney, uh, Steve Mulroy, and, and our sheriff. Mm-hmm. Because it hasn't worked for us to show up to Memphis City Council. Yeah. Because they will just shut your mic off. They're not going to listen to you because you're not citizens there. But we are citizens of Bartlett, Kyerville, Millington, and Arlington. And we need our elected leaders there because they have a larger... Uh, microphone than us to start uh, talking to Mayor Paul Young mm-hmm. and then our district attorney. All right. Going to leave it there because we got a scoot to break. Justin, thank you for dropping by and continue speaking out on this. All right. Want to hear from you guys this morning. Our folks in the burbs, the safe part of town, when is enough enough? Because what's happening in the city of Memphis is coming to your town next. Write down our telephone number, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the morning show. So the state of Tennessee has a couple different radical legislators that want to ban paddling and spanking in the classrooms. Woman by the name of Senator Heidi Campbell is the one leading the effort. This is a bill. She says that the message we're sending when we allow paddling in the classroom is that children can ultimately deal with conflict through physical violence. Do you believe that to be true? That spanking in the state of Tennessee leads to violence? I will jump into that story in one moment, but a guy in Nashville... And in the middle of the state, my good friend Steve Gill drops by the show right now. Steve, what say you? She said it's so upsetting that Tennessee is one of the 17 states in the nation to allow spanking and paddling. Right now, I'm looking at our Memphis Shelby County schools and the hooligans running around this town. I think that's our problem. We don't spank anymore. Well, we haven't been doing spanking. And we look at the looting and the and the violence in, in shopping centers, shopping malls. You look at, again, what's happening in Memphis and Nashville and and all over the country, we haven't been spanking. We haven't been, you know, invoking any punishment. And and you've just allowed things to get worse and worse. And uh, it's time to try something new. You know, Senator Campbell is always going to come up with the most progressive, most California way of dealing with things. And again, we've seen time and time again that, that the Californication of America 
is not working, and yet she wants to bring it to Tennessee. No, no, we won't be California. Thankfully, we have a supermajority because it failed last year, but she refiled the bill this year. She said, quote, this is the exact same bill from 2022. Tennessee law, actually, this is interesting, and then we'll move on. They do allow for corporal punishment. That is the paddle. That is the wooden spatula for, quote, cause to order to maintain discipline and order within public schools. So we'll be following that. All right, Steve, my friend, let's talk about Billy. Where is the governor? You have all of these states in the union, Republican-led states led by these Republican governors standing with Texas. One of our listeners wrote this in referring to how we got our name in the first place. You got to go back to the Alamo, the, the 1830s. She cites Davy Crockett. And his quote, y'all may go to hell. I'm going to Texas to fight. Where is that energy from our governor? You know, Bill Lee has not shown any energy in, in doing his job the first term. And now that he's a lame duck, he's even less involved and engaged. You know, other than his you know, determination to take money out of our public schools and put them into the pockets of his, uh, of his cronies, his rich cronies who have their kids in private schools. He wants to give money to his donors, to his cronies. Uh, whose kids are in private school and, and take it from our public schools. He's more adamant about that, more adamant about absolutely no uh, requirements of credentials or accountability in the private schools if his voucher plan goes through than he is about standing up and, and defending the invasion that is happening in, in Texas and across our country. You know, every state, including Tennessee, is is now a border state because we've had Illegals being dumped in Tennessee since Joe Biden started flying them into Chattanooga in the middle of the night uh, a couple of years ago. And yet, as usual, Bill is hopelessly silent on, on this issue. Again, as you point out, while other states are standing up and, and declaring they'll stand with Texas, Bill Lee won't even stand with Tennessee. Yeah, it's huh. a great point. Uh, he's silent. But not all of our delegation is. Timber Chet, he takes it wherever he goes. This was, I believe, on the Chris Salcedo show on Newsmax yesterday. Take a listen. Whatever else the cartels are putting them into, no. they don't care about that. All they care about is that these folks are going to be voting. And you're going to say, well, how the heck are they going to vote? They're illegally. Well, mail-in voting, you don't require an ID. And they're pushing that garbage on us. We better wake up. The Republican Party better wake up. I'm not worried about the ruining the Republican Party. I'm worried about us not having a nation after this is over with. We've got these these people in here from countries you've seen the videos, and they're not doctored. They're people from foreign countries that hate our guts, that want to destroy us, and don't mind losing their life doing it. Mm. I'll get your response to Congressman Tim Burchett. Well, he's exactly right. You look at who's coming across the border. It's overwhelmingly young military age males from countries as Tim points out that hate us. They're coming from, you know, Middle Eastern countries. Twenty eight thousand plus, and these are just the ones we're catching, not the ones that are getting away that are invading our border security. Uh, twenty eight thousand from China. You you don't leave China as a military age young male uh without the permission of the you know, Communist Party, without the permission of President Xi, and yet they're pouring across our border. What kind of mischief do they intend to sow here? Uh, what kind of terrorist attacks are we going to see in the near future from those that are coming from these terrorist countries? And, and yet, again, the Biden administration continues to lie. Joe Biden says our border is not open uh, our, our, uh, uh, or is not closed. Our Homeland Security chief, Mayorkas, is saying, oh, the, 
the border is closed. Uh, even the president acknowledges that yeah. that's not true. Mayorkas has lied under oath to Congress. It is past time for him to be impeached. And, and again, when you look at the damage that will be done, uh, that the first terror attack with these thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands that have come from these terror supporting countries, uh, we're going to pay a price. Mm-hmm. And, and the blood is going to be on Joe Biden's hands. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'll reiterate your question this morning and throw it out to our listeners. Where is our governor? Governor Bill Lee. Steve, thank you for dropping by. We're going to be talking to Bill Haggerty in just one moment and continue this conversation. As always, spot on. Enjoy your weekend, all right? You guys do have a good one. At least it won't be snowing this weekend. Uh, yeah, I'm counting my blessings about that. All right, taking your calls and comments this morning. KWAMRadio.com is our website. Someone asked me the other day, they said, in my neck of the woods, my zip code, I'm struggling to get the FM. And they said, okay, I understand that. Download our app. Push people to the app. And we've seen more app downloads recently. Our streaming service on our website, KWAMRadio.com, is through the roof right now. So a couple different ways to catch all of our programs Obviously, yes, you can listen on the radio FM 107.9, also AM 990, but you can download that app wherever you get your apps, Google Play Store, Apple App Store, or stream the show live on our website, kwamradio.com. All right, going to take a break. We have more on the other side. We'll also be asking you about the corporal punishment. Do we get away with it? Because I'd love to hear from our parents this morning or anybody who has been the victim of paddling like yours truly. I mean, I turned out, some would disagree with that, but I'm not running around looting Memphis stores, am I? Hmm. 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. Check out the weather anytime at Mighty990.com. Yeah, I like that as the theme of the show. Citing from Davy Crockett. Again, it took all of our guys in Tennessee. We went down and we volunteered and we assisted Texas back in the 1830s. He said, y'all may go to hell. I'm going to Texas. So let's go to Texas and talk what's happening at the southern border with our Senator Bill Haggerty. Senator, thank you for joining the morning show. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. This is a constitutional crisis. What is happening where you have now the Biden administration potentially planning to seize control of the Texas National Guard after Governor Greg Abbott is refusing to remove razor wires from the border wall and allow an invasion. We'll jump into some of your legislation in one moment, but wanted to get your response to the news coming out this week. Well, let me tell you this. Greg Abbott and I were classmates in school. He is a fine person, a brilliant governor, and uh, he follows his conscience. I applaud him for standing up. And basically, the Biden administration has refused to comply with most laws regarding immigration. I think that um, I think that, that Greg is in in a very good place in terms of saying, look, he's not going to feed the sovereignty of his state just because this administration wants to see the sovereignty of our nation. I applaud him for doing it. And let's see what the Biden administration has the guts to do. They certainly don't have the, uh, the, the guts to stand up to the Houthis, to the Iranians, to the, you know, the, the, the Russians or to the Chinese. Let's see what happens here. In that release statement by Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he said this. I thought it was pretty 
Pretty brilliant. Quote, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and the other visionaries who wrote the U.S. Constitution foresaw that states should not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across the southern border. Of course, that is a domestic threat, Senator. But what it is doing to the demographic makeup of this country, which is not racist, they are replacing this country, and there's a devious scheme behind it. You have legislation to address it. And and this is not about racism. This is about power. It's simply math. What's happening is people are fleeing blue states like California, Illinois, New York. Why? Because the radical left policies there are driving people out of those states, driving citizens, I should say, out of those states. They're moving to states like my own in Tennessee. They're moving to states like Florida, Texas, you name it. We would have had more congressional seats. Tennessee would have at least one more congressional seat right now if it weren't for the cheating that is happening underway in California, Illinois, Michigan, you name it. Here's what, here's what happens. The founding fathers never anticipated an invasion like this. The way that we count and allocate congressional districts and electoral votes, this is most important, how we allocate electoral votes for the presidency, is based on the number of people that are in the given state, not on the number of citizens, but on the number of people. That distinction should have been drawn. It is not. The Democrats see this as a loophole, and they're driving a Mack truck through it. If you think about where the sanctuary cities are located, think about this. New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, they've created these magnets in blue states to attract the people who've entered our country illegally. They're going to these cities that have pledged not to enforce the immigration laws. They're doing that because they want to backfill this. We've got it on record now. Last week, a Democrat congresswoman from New York, from Brooklyn, said the quiet part out loud. She actually admitted it that she needs these people coming into her district because she doesn't want to lose her congressional seat. That is exactly what the Congress is up to. That's exactly what the Democrats are up to, I should say, to keep control of the Congress. We've got to stop it. And so I'm putting legislation forward right now that will ensure that only citizens are used for the purposes of calculating legislative districts and electoral votes. Which seems common sense. It also perplexes my mind, Senator, that this is a losing issue for Democrats, unless you're exactly right, and I believe that you are, that this is a way that they can keep and retain power. But if you look at how this polls, it's not polling well for the Biden administration, and it's showing in former President Trump's number because this is the pillar of his campaign. Here is President Trump on the southern border. This was right after his victory in New Hampshire. With your support, we will soon be taking the oath of office on the steps of the United States Capitol, and we're going to have a whole, we're going to have a whole different country. As soon as I lift my hand from the Bible as your 47th president, I will seal the border, shut down the invasion of millions and millions of people coming into our country, and we will start an energy revolution. We have more than anybody else. Get your response to the former president. He's exactly right. It's got to happen. He was able to do it before. And the Biden administration is, quote, negotiating with the Congress right now to come up with a border solution. And I could not believe the gall of the press secretary this week saying that it's Republicans that are causing the problem at the border because we won't step up and put forward legislation. Joe Biden has every tool at his disposal. Look, President Trump was able to do it. President Trump was able to 
bring the uh, border to, to, to practically a trickle. Uh, he had the equipment and he had all the materials at the border to, to, to finish the border wall. Joe Biden had those materials auctioned off. Joe Biden came in and undid everything via executive order that President Trump had done to seal our border. And the reason, again, that he's doing it is because he wants to shift power. He wants to shift electoral votes to California, to New York, to Illinois. If you think about it, what we're doing is we're subsidizing this limousine liberal class in California by giving their votes much more power. They're leveraging these illegal, illegal aliens to get more electoral votes in these cities. Hmm. All right. Let me ask you about this. This is more the nitty gritty of the legislation happening on Capitol Hill. Word comes out reporting by Jake Sherman, founder of Punchbowl News, does work with NBC. They're saying right now that Mitch McConnell is actually having second thoughts on that Ukraine border package. Are you hearing reports? Because we know that the the House has been pretty adamant. Oh, I don't know. Mm. Some of our listeners aren't too happy about that, Senator. But do you think we see more fight from top leadership in the Senate to get some border package funding? Well, funding is not what we need for the border. What we need is actually implementation of the laws that are on the books. Mm -hmm. We don't need more funding for the border because what Joe Biden has come forward and asked for is more resources to process people into this country more rapidly. What we need is law enforcement at the border. The Biden administration has put forward at least proposed language that would allow them to repurpose the entirety of ICE's budget. ICE is the only immigration service that we have that enforces the border and can deport people. They want the permission to reprogram. That's Washington speak for basically reversing their budget and turning them into a resettlement agency. Uh, we don't need that. I think that uh, you know Senator McConnell has probably had a chance to look at this proposal and realize that the Biden administration is not at all serious. And if we're going to tie these things together, we need to get some real results. They've been negotiating, quote unquote, for months. And we've seen no text. We've seen nothing of, of, of any substance that, to me, would say we should enter into a deal with the Democrats on this. I think what we're going to wind up doing is um, blowing this thing apart and, and, and dealing with issues like Taiwan, like Ukraine, like everything else that we're coming up with one by one. That makes a lot more sense to me than than pushing it all together into some massive supplemental budget deal that gets slammed through in the middle of the night. Appreciate that clarification. U.S. Senator Bill Haggerty from the Volunteer State on our phone line. Last question. So I guess the Democrats think expensive grocery, high inflation rates, and low home sales equal a good economy. The president was out there stumping on Bidenomics yesterday and say, you know, people are worried about the economy, but it's changing for the good. Cut seven. We're fundamentally well, changing the economy of this country. And everybody's getting a little worried about it. We're fundamentally changing the economy and people are worried about it for good reason or for now. Well, listen, the only reason he's fundamentally changing it is because the Federal Reserve has been pumping so much stimulus into the economy. But the way it works is the rich get richer. That's how it works. He's not helping the average Joe at all. You look at the inflation rate since Joe Biden has come into office, it's far exceeded wage increases. The average American is much poorer today, thanks to Joe Biden. Uh, what he's looking at is the same numbers that the limousine liberal supporters that he deals with look at. They're all feeling good because their stock values are up. The stock market looks good, but that's not the real America. That's not the America that most Tennesseans live in that I deal with. And if you look at the real America, what we've seen is that the cost of gas, the cost of food, every input that we have to buy has gone up far more 
then the wages have gone up to deal with it. So we are feeling poor as Americans while Joe Biden is sitting there basically saying, let them eat cake. Wow. All right, going to leave it there. Senator, thank you for dropping by. Have a great day and keep on fighting for us back in the volunteer stand. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Going to leave it there. But first, let's take a quick phone call. Latasha calling in from Memphis. And as our call screener gathered some information, this goes to a conversation we just had about corporal punishment. I never knew that was a word. I always knew it as paddling. And I knew it very intimately because I got a lot of spankings growing up. Latasha, the Senate and one state senator is saying we've got to ban it once and for all. What What's your take on the paddling controversy? Yeah. I, I think that's the yeah. We'll get her back on and take a break and have that on the other side. Dylan, connect with Natasha because I know a lot of people have strong thoughts about corporal punishment. Again, they say it is unusual and cruel to spank a child and it will ultimately play out in their adult years and they will end up in therapy and the therapy will be racked up to get through the trauma of being spanked. Now, I will say I was spanked until I wasn't spanked. I got my last spanking at age 13 and some would say that's pretty low or that's that's a pretty young age to no longer get spankings. Well, because my parents quickly realized that pain was not it for me. It didn't bother me. If I had an option to either have time out or a spanking, I would always opt for the spanking. <laughs> I wanted to hang out with my friends. So I would go ahead and uh, we got Latasha. All right, let's ask her. Latasha, is, are the spankings too cruel for students these days? Are they built different than maybe how you were or I was? What's what's your take on it? You know, I really believe that it, it goes household to household, if that makes sense. Sure. You know, uh, each family is different because I know for me, my mom used to tear into us, right? Hmm. Um, even some of my family members would be like, we think that's kind of borderline abusive, right? Yeah. I know that we were hard-headed. I have to say that. I could get a whooping, and if I thought I was going to get away with something, I would try it again, <laughs> right? But it got right. to a point, but I'm, I'm going to say this. I've never committed a crime, mm. right? No. Um, me and my, my and my sister were, were, I mean, we're just, I wouldn't, I, we're, we're good people, right? Yeah. And even though my mom, she, she spanked both of us. I'm not joking. She never, if we were in the wrong, that's what she did. But I'm going to say this. Did she use a I paddle? Did she use, did she use a belt? Or was Absolutely. it a, a wood? Let me tell you this. She used a belt. You're kidding. There was a weeping willow tree <gasps> in our yard sometimes. Natasha. Um, yeah. For real. So oh let me tell you, should we get a switch? Should we get a switch? <laughs> and because me and my sister would run. Right? Yeah. Up here. She was older than we were running. So the one thing about a weeping willow switch, and I, I don't mean the sound. I hope everybody, I'm mm. not, it wasn't as bad as what it sounds like. A weeping willow switch is long and it's very flimble. If you've ever seen a weeping willow, those little branches, mm-hmm. like the little, let me not say branch, the switch, she would whack. I mean, if we're running, it's still going to catch our legs. You see what I'm saying? So what <laughs> so does mom Latasha do now, now that you're a mom? That's what I was going to tell you. Okay. So I have two girls. I have two girls and I promise you, I learned from my mistakes and I learned like, listen, my mom did this. What could I have done that, you know, yeah. that would have helped me. I don't want, I, I, let me say this. I probably take my children maybe once and I have, let me say this. I have a 23 year old and I have a 19 year old. Never got into trouble. Love God. I promise you. I, I don't know what it was. God, it had, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
it, it had to be because I never, I never had to spank them. I mm. never did. Wow. I felt like I talked to them and I let them know, listen, there, there are consequences. Mm-hmm. And I think when I was younger, those spankings helped us realize, listen, if you do something, there are consequences and you're going to have to live with them one way or another. Mm. Sure, when we got older, the whooping stopped working, but then she started taking things away from us. So it's not something that you can just use at every age. I don't believe that. It's foundational as well. There's hot, there's tears or there's levels to everything. You can't whoop a teenager. I don't believe that. Yeah, They're mentally stronger. You're going to have to incorporate something else. You should have caught them when they were younger and they knew, okay, that little tapping on my hand or my butt means no. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right, Latasha, going to have to leave it there, but the proof is in the pudding. It worked for your daughters. So I like the answer you brought to the morning show. Latasha, have a great day, all right? Thanks for calling in. Don't be a stranger. Absolutely. All right, 901-260-5926. Is it too cruel? Or did you get spanked to turn out well like Latasha and myself did? The Mighty 990. 107.9 FM, 990 AM. KWAM. Hey guys, welcome back to Wake Up Memphis. We're kind of on the school beat. We were talking about corporal punishment and school. And I did want to bring you a story. The Antifa, uh, not the Antifa, they're kind of like, they are the most hateful group in America. Todd has gotten into, not trouble with them, but Todd's always calling out the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Imagine that being an end. That's your whole mission to go to school and these school districts across the country and try to exploit a small incursion, blow it up, become a national story, maybe a lawsuit against the school district. In this case, we're following up on a story we told you on Friday, DeSoto County school system, the school Hope Sullivan Elementary, it actually raised and brought up my station owner, Todd Starnes, and he turned out all right. The the controversy goes back a couple days because you had a seven-year-old who was written up. No, he was not spanked. No, they didn't take out a a, a switch from a willow tree and smack the kid after he dropped a curse word. And the teachers at Hope Sullivan Elementary said, yeah, little seven-year-old, you cannot go around dropping the word. Well, what was the word? The word was Jesus Christ. And... That is obviously, in many cases, a swear word. It is blasphemous. And so the teachers over at Hope Sullivan, and honestly, credit to these people. They they punished the kid. Now, the mom of this seven-year-old, she was all up in arms. How dare they punish my baby? Because he was playing with his friends. He dropped a Lego, and he said that word. Now, Fox News did a big story on it, and it was laughable because... They they framed the story like this was a t- an attack on the faith. That over at Hope Sullivan Elementary School, kids are no longer allowed to say the name of Jesus. No, that's not what the, the kid was not praying. He was swearing. He dropped his Lego. He was very upset and he dropped that. Well, the Freedom From Religious, the group of atheists, are now coming to DeSoto County. And they released a statement. Stop punishing children for made up offense of blasphemy. They cited the story, and they said this. 
DeSoto County Schools cannot punish a student for disrespectful use of Jesus Christ's name. We want to remind the school district of that. While teachers can, of course, enforce rules related to cursing or inappropriate language, imposing religious blasphemy rules on students both violates the Establishment Clause and Free Speech Clause of the U.S. Constitution. The attorney for FFRF, Freedom From Religion, guy by the name of Chris Line, an atheist, he says this, It is well settled that public schools may not show favoritism towards nor encourage or coerce Christianity in any religion. Now, I would say if this was a student that dropped, I don't know, the name of another quote-unquote deity, which I believe there is only one, but think of another religion, you better believe there would have not been a peep from the Freedom From Religion Foundation. It is not that they are all about separation of state and religion. It is all about keeping Christ out of anything. These people are godless. So they cite the Ten Commandments, and they, they go into the history of it, of course, that would be violating one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of Lord Thy God in vain. So they end with this. Hence, DeSoto County Schools must ensure that its teachers and administrators administrators are no longer violating students' right by punishing them for disrespectfully saying the name of Jesus Christ or otherwise taking the Lord's name in vain. The child who was reprimanding and reprimanded in attending a secular public school, not a religious institution. They end calling it egregious and traumatizing. For that student and his rights. Oh, boo-hoo. Give me a freaking break. I don't know. I mean, they're saying in their press release that they released that, yes, teachers can punish students for violating language. And it seems to me over at Hope Sullivan Elementary in today's day and age, in 2023, saying the name of the Lord in vain falls under that category. Is Hope Sullivan Elementary in the wrong for this? Or did they do the right thing? I honestly, I'm kind of shocked because it is a public school. And for years, they've taken God, Jesus, and anything relating to our faith out of them. So I'm kind of encouraged by this. I'm not by the Freedom From Religion Foundation, but I'm not shocked that they picked up this story. And that's your follow-up on that. All right, coming up in hour number two, former District Attorney Amy Wyrick. Also, we we broke a story yesterday that has me kind of chuckling because your comments on it is laughable. So the DA, the current guy, the radical, he comes out with his list of priorities and accomplishment of the last year and topping the list, not stopping crime, hiring more black prosecutors in his office because you guys, that stops Memphis crime. We'll have that story on the other side. Don't go... Live from the Mighty 990 Broadcast Center, it's time to wake up Memphis. And this just in, news breaking from the governor's office. Welcome back to the morning show. Of course, we started our number one of the, the program calling on Governor Bill Lee to step up and join all of these other Republican states that are standing with Texas, which is right now under siege because the Biden administration is not protecting this country. We'll jump into the story and give you more details, but that's it in a nutshell. Texas wants to defend their people and the Biden administration using the law, the laws of the highest court in our country, the U.S. Supreme Court. And I said, no, it's unconstitutional, Texas. 
it's wrong and brutal and inhumane to put up barbed wire, a razor wire, construct something to prevent this influx of mass illegal immigration. You guys must have picked up the phone and called the governor because we we sent out that phone number. And I'll do it again because I do think it is important that you know and have direct access to the governor's mansion. It's 615-741-2001. That number again, 615-741-2001. We asked him to act like David Crockett and get his butt down to Texas and stand with them like we did back in the... 1830s. We just released this. So he must have been listening to Wake Up Memphis. I mean, genuinely. The federal government, Bill Bill Lee writes, their failure to secure our nation's southern border is jeopardizing the safety of all Americans. Tennessee has always stood with Texas, and we always will. That's it. (laughs) we, We got something from Bill Lee. It's more than most. Is it going to be enough? Is he going to send our National Guardsmen and women to help Texas, the Lone Star State? That would be very interesting to watch and see if we do that. We must, because as both Senator Bill Haggerty and political contributor Steve Gill in the last hour pointed out, that it is not just Texas under attack, it is us here in the volunteer state as well. We know they are busting in illegals by the masses to every state in this country. So what do we do about it? And I'm glad, I'm so proud of Texas for holding the line, doubling down on their effort to secure their border. Is that enough? Is it a strong statement for Bill Lee? No, I would say it's milk toast. I would say if we were ranking it on the coffee scale, it's how Dylan drinks his coffee over there. Lots of milk and cream and sugar. (laughs) Not at all. It's not black. Real men drink their coffee black. And apparently don't take baths. And they don't take baths. According to you. And they issue really strong statements on the southern border. Yeah. They say, we're going to go down there. We're going to pull our Davy Crockett's out. And we're going to defend. We don't even need Texas to defend themselves because we're the freaking volunteer state. And that's what we do. We help our friends out. Nah. So I'm probably going to get into trouble about that. Yeah. Men can drink uh, creamy coffee, I guess. I just think it's. Rather, rather weak. Okay, so as I said, the district attorney released this long report, and I'm going to spare you because it's the annual report, a one-year review from September 2020, uh, 2022 to September 2023. They just released it. He had a big press conference. I thought, okay, so what did this guy do? How bad did he destroy our city? So I'm like looking down through his priorities and his accomplishments. And coming in right at the top is staff diversity. And I, okay. It's this guy. And we're pandering once again. And he made it very clear on our morning show back in 2023 when he ran against Amy Wyrick, the incumbent, who is actually going to be on our program this morning at 835. And he said, Amy Wyrick is a racist because she hires more white people than black people. And that is wrong. And that is making Memphis more dangerous as opposed to too less dangerous. So when I become the next top prosecutor in Shelby County, my first order, executive order, is going to hire black people. Okay, what about the island Pacific, uh, the, the Pacific people in our city? What about all of the, what about our Asian population here? Do they not get jobs? Are you stumbing those people? Because I know there are very competent 
Asian prosecutors. But now we're going to just hire black people. So here's what he said. We've hired over 85 new employees, including four new prosecutors. Among staff, persons of color increase by 10%. From 30% to 40%. Among prosecutors, the increase was by a third. From 15% to 20%. The number of attorney supervisors of color, I didn't even know that was a thing. We went from people of color to supervisors of color. Has doubled. And that, my friends, is going to right the wrongs of the last incumbent. Amy Weirich in the district attorney's office. Well, we throw it out to you guys. Because no one else is reporting on that. I can tell you that right now. And here are some of your comments. They were good. Keith writes this. So much for blind justice, Steve. Bruce writes this. Is Mulroy saying that black staffers are more effective than white staffers at reducing crime in Memphis? Christy adding this. It's all part of the DEI social justice ideology. The only consideration for any job should be who is the most qualified to do that job. Lori says this. It doesn't matter who is qualified, only the color of your skin. That is exactly how the district attorney and his office thinks. It is all based on race, not your actual qualifications for the job. But can we have a district attorney's office that has an equal amount of black to white? Because that will right the wrong of slavery. This is their mindset. Now, Bruce has a different opinion, and we do that on the morning show. We have a very diverse audience across the Mid-South. He says this. He probably means black attorneys that become DAs might represent a better sense of the non-racial bias to black citizens than having an all-dominant white DA's office, just as more female gender would do same towards female citizens. I'm reading this verbatim. Excuse me. If all the DAs were white males, is that true? (laughs) If all the DAs were white males, Bruce continues to write, that wouldn't be a representation of Memphis citizens, but instead a demographic um, representative of our population. All that said, I think Mulroy has bitten off more than he can chew, has only prosecuted 40 criminal cases all year, that's in 2023, and needs to get laws changed to meet the needs of today's society and enforce the existing laws of the state through prosecution. Well, that last part, I certainly agree with. The problem is, Bruce, is that he's not doing that. I think there was one clause in this annual report where he did reference fast-tracking violent cases, but he's not done that. We had Brent Taylor on the show on Monday, and here's what he had to say about the lack of cases being processed in this DA's office. Take a listen. You know, what we learned in that report is that pre-COVID, we were doing 200 jury trials a year. Uh, And last year, we did 40 jury trials. Only 40. Only 40. And there are 300 pending murder cases to be tried. Mm -hmm. So do your job. I don't care what color, what skin pigment are of our DAs and our top prosecutors and the staffers down at 201 Poplar. Just do the job. Is it that difficult? It's not. But the priorities of this district attorney's office are whacked, and we knew that well before we put them into office. So I say all of that, say shame on us, because we elected this guy, and it wasn't even close. That's a shame. Speaking of elections, let's check in on the 2024 Republican primary. Nikki Haley 
vowing she will not be bowing out of any primary, even though her shot at becoming the eventual nominee is looking glim and more gloomy by the day. Here's her at a campaign stop. Her now order to the former president, her contender, is that he debate her. And here is what that sounded like. Cut one. Trump claims he'd do better than me in one of those tests. Maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't. But if he thinks that, then he should have no problem standing on a debate stage with me. Now, that would be a ludicrous thing to do. And you've got to think, all credit to Team Trump. They held out. I mean, there's no question that the former president loves the stage and loves a nationally televised audience. And I don't know the president, but I can imagine an indoor conversation down at Mar-a-Lago. Let me do the debate. These people are incompetent. They're talking heads. Nikki Haley, there's not one original thought up in her brain. That's why he deemed her bird brain. I'm not saying that, but she's a bird brain. Um, But they said, no, you're running for the general. You are kind of the incumbent in this race. Though you're not, you are the incumbent, and we're going to strategize like you are one. So to get up on a debate stage with bird brain Nikki Haley would be to legitimize her as an actual contestant in this in this primary and she's not i mean her last stop was new hampshire i guess she's going on to south carolina where he's beating her in her own home state where she was the governor at for years i think last check was like 25 (laughs) percent it's bad she's not even on the ballot in nevada she's gonna be next in our primary system so no meanwhile over at msnbc because they have nothing else to go on Because the president was a very successful president and the American people are speaking that in polling, they're losing their mind. Claire McCaskill, who was a senator, she was a failed one. She lost her race and now she's a contributor over at MSNBC. I guess this is the latest attack we'll be hearing as we go into the the general. Take a listen. And, you know, I, I, I just think we have to keep reminding everyone this guy's not well. Um, and, And what's up with the orange face? You know, I mean, has anybody has anybody checked to see if is he applying this cheap bronzer to his face in clumps at various times of the day and night? Okay, that's like the pot calling the kettle black, because if you pulled up a photo of Claire McCaskill, hmm, you need to shut up. But what's funny is MSNBC and they're, I guess, most high ranking. Oh, I guess it would be Rachel Maddow and then. You've got Joy Reid, the black woman that wears a Trump wig. <laughs> you, need to, you need to look at your own panelists because I don't know that you want to go down that road, Claire McCaskill. Now, I don't like Trump's bronze and the 10. And maybe that's controversy, uh, controversial. I love the president, but it does look bad. He needs to go with a pal skin. And he is wearing some form of a self-tan. <laughs> but... That's not a reason why he shouldn't be the president, because it was a pretty freaking good one. All right, more on the other side. Don't go away. Take your calls this morning, 901-260-5926. Our number again, 901-260-5926. Looking at the accomplishment from our district attorney, Steve Mulroy. Do you think that hiring more black prosecutors and staffers will make the city of Memphis more safe? I mean, it's a serious question. I know it's kind of laughable, but that's what we've got. We'd love to hear from you guys. We'll be right back. Check out the weather anytime at Mighty990.com.
morning. Good morning, guys. I held off on this story yesterday because it was it was a difficult one to get through. Not for any reason other than it's a lot of information and a lot of audio. And it's the controversy surrounding Cary Lake, where the Arizona Republican Party and the folks back east, as you'll hear in one second, referring to the Beltway, those in power, the elites, the swamp, the machine, literally tried to bribe Cary Lake not to run for Senate. And there's leaked audio by Arizona GOP chair Jeff DeWitt. That's who you'll hear. And... Carrie Lake back in CPAC of 2023 had addressed this, but didn't fill in much information. We didn't know about this leaked audio. It's nine minutes long. We went through and spliced some of it up, but she explained it better than I will during her speech back in 2023. I want you to take a listen to this and then we'll jump into the fallout. Can we do that? I'm not willing to accept that. Real quick. And I'm let me jump in here real quick. Um, that is the leaked audio. Here is her at CPAC explaining that this was happening and she resisted it. Take a listen. Cut three. Who told Jeff DeWitt to bribe me? I don't know. I wish I did know. As a matter of fact, I've thought about it many a day since then. And I've, I've laid awake at night wondering who it could have been, what group, what person. But isn't it sad that you could literally, for 24 hours, think about it, wonder, guess, and that our government is so corrupt. Washington, D.C., the people back east, as he said, is so corrupt that you could literally probably come up with a list of about four or 500 people and groups that are uh, behind this. And, and, and that's the sad thing. And this is why I am getting into politics. I'm in politics. This is why President Trump is in politics, because we want to make sure that we root out that kind of corruption. We can't have that kind of corruption happening in Washington, D.C. And frankly, it starts in Washington, T- in, in D.C., and it moves down into capitals across the country, into the state houses, into the municipalities. And uh, what happens is people run for office, And immediately they get bribed, they get blackmailed, and they become controllable. And this is what's wrong with our country. So that was on Gitter last night. She went live and explained more of this story. But I've always wondered why people go to Washington. And the next thing you know, they are completely different people than the people that they told us they would be. And you watch these different shows like House of Cards Scandal is another one. And you wonder if those are actually real, where the elites pay off people that they view as viable threats. And we know the biggest threat for the elites in the Beltway are MAGA Republicans. And I don't say that in a disparaging way, but America first patriots, people like Carrie Lake, people like Donald Trump. So the guy got caught with his pants down. And now he's had to resign again, talking about Arizona GOP chair Jeff DeWitt. Now he's upset because he's basically lost his job. And he says he might take legal action because this was leaked. Now, the conversation between the two was nine minutes long. Here was Carrie Lake when asked if she would take millions of dollars not to throw her hat in the ring, run for Senate in in Arizona. And here was her response. It's a template we all need to follow. Listen to her values. What can we do? I'm not willing to accept that. Then I'm going to be the biggest pain in these people. Go back and tell them that. I'm running, and I'm going to be the biggest pain in their. And I'm willing to tell them that. 
and they're gonna have to kill me to stop me. I know, I know. Look, and, and you don't have to tell them that, but I don't think they will. But no, I don't think that's the way they are. Um, Either they come around and try to work with me, or I'm just going to entail. That would entail not telling layman's telling me you got to distance yourself from Trump. No, you distance yourself well, from DeSantis. He's, he's, he's all butthurt about that. But what I'm saying is, don't tell people that. I'm with Trump, okay? I want to work for I the betterment that. of Arizona. I'm, I'm not going to let these people back in D.C. tell me not to run. Mm, good on Carrie Lake. I mean, what a true patriot. Imagine if every person running for office had that moral compass. We would not be in the state we are right now. Now, not only is he threatening legal action against those who leaked that audio, but Arizona GOP chair Jeff DeWitt said that that conversation was taken out of context. It also undermines the integrity of a private discussion critical for party leadership. Well, your party leadership is corrupt and it is void of any morality. Take a seat. Well, I want to know who the elites were because... Yes, Jeff DeWitt carried the water for those on the East Coast that did not want Carrie Lake to run for Senate. But who actually is calling the shots? Because Jeff is just talking head. He was just the mouthpiece, the vehicle of this threat, these bribes to get Carrie Lake to drop out of the Senate race. There's new reporting and it's reliable reporting. And a lot of sourcing right now coming up from Capitol Hill that it could have been the National Republican Senatorial Committee where we have seen leaders within the NRSC, that's the abbreviation of it, get candidates to either run for office or drop out of office. Or if they don't like an America First Senate candidate, what they'll do is they'll just support the the establishment machine candidate. We saw that in Alaska. There was an America First patriot running for Senate in Alaska, and Mitch McConnell invested millions in her opponent's race. Same thing happened in Arizona. Take a listen to this on Steve Bannon's show yesterday. This is Michael Patrick Leafy has a report on that. I want you to take a listen. Cut four. Sources have told us that the message came from the National Republican uh, Senatorial Committee, which is, uh, as you know, controlled by uh, Mitch McConnell. And Senator Steve Daines of Montana uh, is the senator in charge of that. We yesterday, when we got this information, which we believe to be credible from a credible source, but we, you know, we sent uh, requests. Our great reporter in Arizona, the Arizona Sun Times, Rachel Alexander, sent a request to both Steve Daines and the political director at the NRSC to, if they would confirm or de- deny that the message originated from them in March of of 2023. In other words, hey, Kerry, don't run for the Senate. We'll we'll give you some money or a big job. Neither of those people responded to us. But uh, Danes, just a couple hours ago, talked to an NBC reporter and issued, it's right at uh, ArizonaSuntimes.com, and issued uh, a basically what you would call a non-denial denial. He didn't address the issue of whether they originated the message. What he said was, I just heard that report. And, uh, gee, I didn't know anything about that report. We were talking about the report of the of the leaked audio in which the message was delivered. Um, so we're going to – and he's not responded to us. Steve, you and I have been doing this long enough to know that if there's a major figure that you ask a question and they don't respond to you in 24 hours, mm-hmm. there's a reason. 
And my suspicion is okay. that our source is probably correct. Wow. That's, that's huge. And really scary, honestly. And it plays out even here locally. I'm sorry. If I hear the word bylaws one more time as a loophole to kick people out of parties, good Shelby County first Republicans, we need a new party. We need different infrastructure. Rip up the bylaws. But that's how they work. This is the establishment, the machine, the swamp at play. And for this DeWitt dude who just resigned, there should be much bigger punishments besides a forced resignation. And that's why we're losing these elections. Because it's all about power, influence, and money. And not about our principles as a country, as a party, and as Americans. All right, going to take a break. On the other side, former District Attorney Amy Weimerick joins the show up next. We'll talk about the backlog of cases here in Shelby County. Our number, 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. This is the Mid-South's Conservative Blowtorch. The Mighty 990 KWAM. And welcome back to the morning show. I am taking some credit, though. That's my ego getting in the way. And well, that tends to happen. And I apologize. I, I do think Governor Billy was listening to the morning show. Don't you? Because he's in his office has been AWOL since, I mean, yesterday, all of these governors across the union were coming forward and saying, we stand with the state of Texas and their, their sovereignty to protect their citizens. Nothing for Billy, but we got him. And he released a statement this morning. We called on you guys to call on him. And that's exactly what he did. I'll read that statement that came into the newsroom just a couple minutes ago at the top of the hour. Actually, he said this, quote, the federal government's failure to secure our nation's southern border is jeopardizing the safety of all Americans. Tennessee has always stood with Texas and we always will. That message being sent by Governor Bill Lee this morning. Want to go to our phone line this morning, joined by a special guest, someone that the city misses a lot right now amid skyrocketing crime. That is Amy Weirich, special counsel for the 25th Judicial District Attorney's General's Office. She's the district's top prosecutor over there. Mrs. Weirich, thank you for joining us on the program. It's been a second. Are you well? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you guys? We cannot complain. And we're trying to find solutions to many of the issues that you're well aware of. And we'll start with the concern of just the backlog of cases here in Shelby County. Because Senator Brent Taylor joined the program on Monday and he described the the frustration that a lot of these victims of crime have where we do not have a speedy criminal justice system. They get backlogged. And here's what he told us on the morning show on Monday. Take a listen. You know, what we learned in that report is that pre-COVID, we were doing 200 jury trials a year. Uh, and last year, we did 40 jury trials. Only 40? Only 40. And there are wow. 300 pending murder cases to be tried. Your response to that, and then we'll jump into the letter he's sending to our attorney general. That's pretty appalling. That's a huge contrast. It's a huge contract, and you've already hit the nail on the head. The people that suffer from that are the victims of crime in this community. Um, If there are, I would hazard to guess there's probably even more than 300 murder trials pending. Um, There's not a week that goes by that those 10 elected criminal court judges 
shouldn't be in trial. Um, and if they're not in trial, then, you know, hopefully Senator Taylor's letter and some of these eyes that are on the system uh, will get to the bottom of that. I find it hard to believe that um, prosecutors and defense attorneys are standing up in court every day saying we're ready to go to trial and a judge is saying, no, thank you. That's that's that, the question um, I have. Like what changed with COVID? I mean, that's one excuse and it was maybe a formidable one. But now now what? It's 2023 and we're seeing homicides increase every single year. One could make the argument that a deterrent of homicides and murders like we're seeing every single night here would be to get justice for those families and punishments for the perpetrators of said crime. Well, and, and justice for the accused. I mean, if there's if there are truly 300 murder cases pending, then most, if not all, of those defendants are sitting in jail waiting for their day in court. Um, but, you know, the cases belong to the district attorney's office. And if cases are getting set for trial, when, and, you know, trials happen when there's not a meeting of the minds, when the prosecution and the defense cannot come to uh, a resolution that is just and fair, given the facts and the evidence in the case, if a case is set for trial and everybody's ready and the judge is missing an action or just not in the mood to try it, that's one thing. But if cases are being dismissed mm-hmm. by the prosecutors, if cases are being lowballed and, and moved off the docket, that's a totally different conversation. And, you know, I've, I've been a prosecutor a long time and I've certainly had judges over the course of my career when we've tried to settle cases say, I'm not going to accept that offer. Um, So if, you know, if the judges are being presented with resolutions on cases that shock their conscience, there's something they can do. Mm -hmm. If defense attorneys and prosecutors are not ready for trial, and that's why cases aren't going, uh, there's a lot that the judges can do. You know, you don't, you don't really see these issues, um, certainly not in the 25th Judicial District. The The elected judges there, if they tell you you're going to trial, you're going to trial mm-hmm. and the, there are dates set and there are motion hearing dates and there are firm dates on the calendar that everyone uh, understands and respects. And again, that's all at the, at the feet of the judges. They control that and they do, they do a great job and there's nothing to say that those same things couldn't be applied uh, in Shelby County with scheduling orders and, and all that, but I, I'm. Is it I a lack of management, uh, Amy? Is it? Well, I, I, I'm curious. Is it staffing shortages? Is someone who's had a very effective team? And I covered your DA's office, and you had great prosecutors. You had fantastic staff. So, is it a lack of that, or are people just not doing their jobs? Who knows? Um, I did have a great team, and many of them are still prosecuting. Um, not all of them still in Shelby County, but scattered throughout the state and fighting for victims of crime. But, you know, the judges are elected. They're elected by the people to do a job. Mm-hmm. And again, if, if the prosecutors and the defense attorneys are trying desperately every day to get cases tried and the judges are out to lunch, that's one thing. And that's something that, you know, the people should be screaming from the rooftops of the building. Mm-hmm. But if there's no cases for the judges to try because prosecutors aren't ready, defense attorneys aren't ready, or cases are being dismissed by the prosecution, that, that's a different conversation. Um, but at the end of the day, 
the victims of these crimes suffer and the community pays the price. Amy Weirich, special counsel for the 25th Judicial District Attorney General Office on our phone lines this morning. Here's the template that we need, because you have a former criminal defense attorney who was elected as the top prosecutor for Clay Craighead Crittenden Green over in Arkansas, that West Memphis area. Lady by the name of Sonia Haggard. She's the prosecuting attorney for Arkansas's second judicial district. Her office, with much less resources than ours in Shelby County, won four first-degree murder convictions in one day. Think of that. Take a listen to this audio. We'll get your response. I hope it sends the message, don't come here, because we're ready to go. And I want those people who want to commit crimes in my district to know that if I prep that case for trial, you're not getting a plea deal on the last day. It's going to trial, and the community is going to decide what your punishment is. Memphis is. All along, all along the border of my district is designated as high drug trafficking areas. With that comes a lot of gun violence, gang violence, and things like that. But for whatever reason, we got left out. Your response? That's great. And, you know, that's what uh, that's what DA's offices are, are designed to do. Now, obviously, we can't try every case that, that happens in Shelby County. The volume is too large, and there aren't. that The system would come to a screeching halt. However, it is the job of the prosecutor, no matter if they work in a small office, medium size, or large office, to be that last line of defense, to be that person that says, no, I'm not going to give you the time served offer or the probation offer or the sweetheart deal that you want because you have victimized too many people, you have wreaked too much havoc in our community, and it's time for the community to have a say in what should happen to you. And that's what juries are. Mm -hmm. That's what jury trials are. It's an opportunity for the men and women of Shelby County to listen to a case and they make the decision mm. on what should happen to an offender. And, but that we don't get to that point until and unless you've got a prosecutor ready, willing, and able to stand up and be that line in the sand. There's clearly a conflict between the state house and our district attorney's office and Senator Brent Taylor would be the guy leading the resistance. And he's proposing four different bail bills that would do the following. I'm not going to get into all of them, but you know, it was something that was run against you that they were going to remove the, the bail system and they were going to have a cashless bail system. Well, his legislation would remove financial status from bail consideration and on and on and on. What does a city that is dealing with a cashless bail system ultimately look like as we're launched into this program? Cities that have done away with yes. bail? Yes, yes. It, it is not working very well. Those are the cities that um, we see in the headlines, and I, I fear that it's just a matter of time before Memphis is one of the cities listed in that list. Um, but it, it, there needs to be accountability period, end of story, for everyone who breaks the law. What that accountability looks like varies according to the stage of the proceeding. But if someone has been accused of a crime and there is enough evidence for them to be charged with that crime, right, and held on that crime, then there needs to be a hearing in front of a judge. Um, I've always proposed that it should be elected judges. Um, the system in Shelby County is appointed judicial commissioners, but I've also always said the victim 
needs to be heard. Mm. And that was the, that's the model on paper. I don't know if that's actually happening every day in the courthouse downtown, but victims need to have an opportunity to stand in front of that commissioner and say, this is what happened to me and this is the impact on me. And then that commissioner needs to make a decision based upon not money, but what, um, what public safety risk there is. And if this person is out in the community pending disposition of this case, what is that going to do to the safety of this community? And what is the likelihood that this person is going to come back to yeah. court yeah. to answer for these charges? Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's a factor the that is part of bail consideration. Are you going to come back yeah. so that we can have uh, a, a meaningful uh, disposition of this case? But if everybody's out uh, in the community, then you've got more opportunity for crime to occur and a higher likelihood of cases just, you know, wasting away in the in the nether world. In the docket. Going to have to leave it there. Getting a couple messages while you're on air. Oh, is that Amy Wyrick? We miss her voice. Well, you're still doing good work just over on the other side, the 25th Judicial District Attorney General's yes, Office. Sir. So keep on fighting the good fight and great catching up, you as always. It. You too. Take care. All right. Going to leave it there. Conversation picks up on the other side. See your comments this morning. We'll jump into those. Also, a lot of drama over in the Barbary world because I guess the Oscars are snubbing some of their actors in the matriarchy. Not the patriarchy. They're really upset about it. We'll have that story on the other side. Don't go away. And welcome back to the morning show. No, I'm not going to spend a amount of time on Barbie. Believe me. It's just really funny to see so much drama in the matriarchy world. <laughs> we always talk about the patriarchy. Well, the, the women of America are very upset that you've got a couple different female actors. Margot Robbie, she was the Barbie in the Barbie movie. And then the director of the film, Greta Gerwig, were snubbed. And as people described it, it will be a snub that will be remembered for the rest of time. I disagree with that, but let's first get to some of your comments. Amy writing in this morning on the Texas border crisis. Texas is the only state that can succeed, secede, excuse me, from the United States. Why Texas is allowed to fly a flag with the USA flag level flags. She also reminded us what Davy Crockett once said, which was, quote, y'all may go to hell. I'll go to Texas. Chris Hackett, my friend over in Tipton County, writing this. Thank you, Senator. And I believe he's referring to Senator Bill Haggerty, who joined the show at 8 or 735 this morning. He said voters want action. Kelsey writes this on the controversy over corporate spanking, corporate punishment. I guess a lot of people in the state house, the Democrats anyway, want to get away. 17 states in the union allow teachers to punish their students by using a switch, by using a paddle. The whore, she says, take a look at the kids today. They're spanked less and are 10 times worse. The outcome of this experiment is playing out right before our eyes. <laughs> it's a great point. Um, Kristen, our friend with Moms for Liberty, says, so good to hear Amy but she's wrong about the accused sitting in jail waiting to be tried. Chris writes this. Oh, this is a good suggestion. And maybe the DA who does listen to this show on occasion because he did call me once after the morning show. Chewed me out. He said this. 
There's an empty prison over here in Tipton County. Lawmakers need to get the funding to open it back. You could just send the Memphis thuglings over to the Tipton County Jail. That's a fantastic idea. So we know that the whole premise of Barbie was to to present a, a weak male and empower females, right? Because that is a quality to prove that women are equal counterparts to men. We must tear down masculinity. We must make a man a beta male because being alpha is, I guess, patriarchal and it's an attack on the matriarchy. So they use none other than Canadian Ryan Gosling, the actor, to do that. And he's the perfect guy for the job because he is a beta male. Well, anyways, he was the only actor from this Barbie movie, which did very good at the box office, by the way. It was like one of the top highest grossing films of 2023. So the Oscar nominations come out. Ken, a.k.a. Ryan Gosling, secured one of the nominations. Now, the female, his co-star, Margot Robbie, did not. She was snubbed. And the film's director, Greta Gerwig, they were very upset about this. And really, it's now a national news story where like, even Hillary Clinton, God help us, is weighing in. She wrote this last night. Greta and Margot, while it can sting to win the box office but not take home the gold, your millions of fans love you. Hashtag Hillary Barbie. Uh, okay. So back to Ryan Gosling. So instead of just taking the win, because I guess he did well. I mean, he had to suffer by playing a beta male in this Barbie film. I So I went with my friends to watch the movie because I wanted to discuss it in its entirety and with depth and context. And the only way to do that was to go to the Paradiso or whatever it's called. Um, I don't even know what's it called down the street. So I did. I did not stay awake past the open. I was asleep by uh, 10 minutes into the film. I then at Christmas time, my sister was like, you need to watch it. So we watched it together. It was a disaster. I did not understand it except for men are weak and women are strong. So to prove that point further, Ryan Gosling is now saying that he's very disappointed that his co-star was snubbed. And here was his quote. (laughs) To say that I'm disappointed that they are not nominated in their respective categories would be an understatement against all odds with nothing but a couple of soulless, scantily clad, and thankfully crotchless dolls. They made us laugh. They broke our hearts. They pushed the culture and they made history. Their work should be recognized along with every other deserving nominee. He also went on to say in his statement, because I thought this was very interesting. A week. He said, I'm extremely honored, though, to be nominated by my colleagues alongside with such remarkable artists in this year of so many great films. And I never thought I'd be saying this, but I'm incredibly honored and proud that it's for portraying a plastic doll named Ken. (laughs) Goes on to say, this is very long and we don't have the time, but there is no Ken without Barbie. And there is no Barbie movie without Greta and Margot, the two people most responsible for this history-making globally celebrated film everybody so upset that these two ladies were snubbed this is once again showing that the oscars which undergo all of the woke shenanigans they've crossed their political correct p's and q's they are still supporting the patriarchy but if you look at actual oscar nominations in the years past Margot was nominated for a couple different things. If you go back to 2018, she played in I, Tanya, and she was nominated 
and received the actual Oscar for Best Actress in Itania. And then back in 2019, she was nominated as the Best Supporting Actress for Bombshell in 2019. So to now say that the Oscars are snubbing these women based on their their body parts is a farce. Why don't we look at the actual role that Margot had to play? It was incredibly dumb. It was pathetic, actually. But I guess the Oscars slipped up on this one. And as People Magazine wrote, Oscar experts are saying that the snub will be remembered for a long, long time. Oh, my gosh. All right. I can't talk about it any longer. So we're coming up at the end of the show. You guys, tomorrow's going to be a lot of fun because we have fun on Fridays. And it is our Friday with Friends segment for 30 minutes. We'll kick that up at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. And I'll give you a tease of who it is. Oh, maybe we just tell the folks because they're already booked in and confirmed. And if they're not, sometimes I wait on that information. But our friend Bob Hendry and Vicky Gandy are going to be live and in studio together. And we're going to be talking local politics, state politics, national politics, and of course, a lot of fun headlines as well. So you're not going to want to miss that fun. Pull up tomorrow morning because we'll do this all over again starting at 7. In the meantime, go check out our website. We told you about the district attorney's office's list of priorities. That is all there. KWMRadio.com. You miss an interview with our Sten- Senator Bill Haggerty. That's going to be there. And you guys just have a great day. We'll see you guys starting tomorrow morning at 7.